Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with the latest WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back once again. It's the Silver King. It's vintage Chris Vanini, and we are here with our penultimate WWE episode as the road to WrestleMania 38 is reaching its conclusion. We are now under two weeks away from the granddaddy of them all, the showcase of the Immortals, WWE's biggest, this year, most stupendous show of the year, WrestleMania, and we are here to break down everything that happened across the last week in WWE. Yes, we are fast moving on this road. The Silver King and Vintage are here to break down everything for you, but I would be remiss if I'd be going on any episode of Getting Over without a reminder. And what exactly is that reminder? It is that Getting Over So please, let's not forget. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. That's right. Go back to being marks for the Silver King for Vintage. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love the show. The ratings are super important. The reviews, even more important. We want people to know why they should listen and subscribe to Getting Over as we attempt to continue growing during the biggest part of our year, WrestleMania season. Please leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we tweet live during all the shows, we do pre and post show polls ahead of pay-per-views. You are gonna want to be following us for WrestleMania so you can participate in all of those polls. Also, we will do live pre-shows ahead of the WWE kickoff shows. By the way, I just came to find out the WrestleMania kickoff shows are two hours long. 6 to 8 p.m. So I guess we're doing the pre-shows at 5.30. I don't know. Maybe we'll do them in hour one of the WWE kickoff show. I will figure out the schedule. That is for next week. The point is we will do live shows on Twitter spaces, previewing both nights of WrestleMania 38 as we do previewing every pay-per-view. And you are going to want to be following us at Getting Overcast so you can participate in those. We allow you guys to speak, ask questions, and provide comments and join in the conversation. It is a lot of fun. In fact, some might say that's a great idea. Ask Fitz. <laughs> it is a great idea. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Chris, uh, last week uh, we began this show and the Silver King went on a rant uh, about SmackDown, how absolutely top to bottom awful it was and how Raw uh, basically didn't save it in any way. This week, I, I really do feel the opposite uh, not the exact opposite. I'm not here to tell you that SmackDown was some amazing show, but it was miles better than that piece of crap they gave us two weeks ago. And Raw was certainly solid once again, top to bottom. You know, it's it's not the most captivating road to WrestleMania that we've ever seen. It's not even close to that. Uh, but I will say that as we are drawing closer, the storylines are getting a little bit more cohesive. And I'm not, I wasn't really annoyed by much of what I saw this week. There was nothing, uh, again, I'll, I'll give you a little preview in our good, bad, and ugly segment. Uh, there was nothing that I wrote down that was ugly, right? There's nothing truly offensive that happened on WWE TV this week. And I could not have said the same thing about last week. Yeah, they were they were fine shows. Raw, Raw especially, again, very, very, it was a good show. SmackDown was fine. And Raw is that, consistent, consistently 
above average to good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it has been. And but but I just keep thinking, imagine how good these shows would be if we had main event world championship feuds on these shows. I mean, we, we go another Raw without Roman and Brock there. They'll be there next week, but they've been on SmackDown the last couple weeks. I mean, Brock is the Raw champion and he's barely been on the show since he won the belt back. And so it's it's like, you know, given what they're doing. It's fine. It's it's pretty good. You know, I, I like the idea of this last Raw kind of revolving around Seth. But just like, man, imagine if you had a world championship feud you could throw into both of these shows right now. And how how I think both shows would be really good if you had that. Instead, they're having to rely on mid cards and women's title feuds to kind of carry the shows. And it's it's been OK. Well, they also look, I mean, look at it like this. They also had Becky Lynch miss one week because she got legitimately injured. She mm-hmm. couldn't really speak. Then they had Bianca Belair miss this week because she's kayfabe injured, which is something they didn't really need to do. Uh, Edge wasn't on the show until the final couple of seconds. You're right. No Brock Lesnar for multiple weeks now because he's feuding with Roman Reigns and they're putting that on SmackDown, even though it's a multi-brand feud with two titles on the line. They're barely even talking about it on Raw outside of video packages. And yet Raw is still the better show. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to tell you how, you know, in a dearth of creative bullshit, SmackDown is right now. I mean, again, when when your number two male st- single storyline is Drew McIntyre against Baron Corbin, I mean, it tells you what you need to know right there. That's the problem. And, you know, I can't help but as we kind of go into this and, and look, we're not going to do a long drawn out uh, intro here, but I can't help but as we get into this, like look at all those cuts WWE made over the last year. And just say, man, if they I'm not saying that no one should have ever been released. I mean, I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. But like, again, we've looked at that list many, many times on this podcast. And there was a lot of people they released that like, I get it. Like, that's the best way I can say it. I understand. Right. But there was also like six or seven names on there, maybe up to 10, where you're just like, do you not realize how much stronger your roster would be if they were all on it and getting involved in WrestleMania, do you not, can you not think how much stronger even now WWE would be is if they had consistently booked Mustafa Ali over all these periods of time and they had a situation where he could challenge for one of those mid-card titles in a really compelling match because you know the guy can cut great promos at WrestleMania. And instead they're struggling to find people. There's like three celebrities involved and I'm not criticizing WWE for celebrity involvement like other people are. Guess what? Celebrities are involved in every WrestleMania. Sometimes they're in the ring. Sometimes they're not. In this case, there's, what is it, two in particular that are in matches, where, or three, sorry, three in matches where you're like, okay, maybe that's one more than there should be, right? But it's not so drastic that I'm annoyed by it. But the problem right. is because there's not an, enough super high quality matches surrounding them, they stand out more. Because it's such mm-hmm. a limited card, you say, well, wait. Why is Johnny Knoxville, Pat McAfee, and Logan Paul all wrestling on this show when you couldn't find a spot for Keith Lee or you couldn't book Aleister Black well enough to by the Bray, time WrestleMania rolls around? Or Bray, Bray, Wyatt, you couldn't Braun keep Bray Wyatt or Braun Yeah, like, so, you know, Swerve. So you look at all this and you're just like, man, it's like, I see a lot of people downplaying this WrestleMania card. This is what we can talk about before we get into it. I see a lot of people saying, man, This is not an exciting WrestleMania. It's shaping up to be really shitty. You know, do I think it's a weak card? Yeah, probably. If they 
were it combined their top 12 matches and put it all on one night, I think you'd look at it and say, you know what? This is not a weak card. It's a very strong card. It's just that it's so spaced out. There's so much extraneous extra stuff that is being looped into it. And the storytelling, the builds for all of it aren't that compelling. You're down one main event championship. The SmackDown women's one with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair it's not really interesting a lot of hardcore fans. It's really a completely casual fan match. There's not one person there that the hardcore fan is like really behind between those two. They feel Charlotte Flair is overbooked and Ronda Rousey is overpushed whenever she you know decides to come to WWE. Uh, and again, there's no main event real storyline for the Raw side. The top star on Raw doesn't have a match right now. Uh, you know, Steve Austin is coming back. You could actually say four celebrity matches. Steve Austin is coming back. And it's not even in a match. And it's with KO. KO, again, someone who doesn't have a match on the card because he's doing the Steve Austin thing. Bobby Lashley's out injured right now. Drew McIntyre's fighting Baron Corbin. So when you look, when you take it all in totality, it has not been a very good road to WrestleMania. And it's not a well-built WrestleMania card because of WWE's own decision-making. But when it comes to the show and we get to next week's Ultimate Preview, I'm going to have a hard time not being excited. Like, I, I do want to see yeah. WrestleMania, and I do think we're going to get some really damn good matches on the card. And once we have the full card, I, I mean, let's remember it's not done. We If it's Seth Rollins versus Cody or Seth Rollins versus TBD at Mania or something, we're going to have a big Seth Rollins match to add to that. I assume we're going to get a U.S. title match, potentially Balor Priest or something. We, we don't have the Intercontinental or the U.S. titles on the card right now, I imagine they'll be at it. So yeah, it's it, it's been a slow build to Mania because they haven't all been clear, and they they did the big match and the celebrity matches first, so that immediately kind of maybe lowered yes. your expectations. But if you watch the last, especially Raw, the last two three weeks, it's been a solid show and it's built up its mid card stories. I think pretty solidly it's just kind of felt a little empty at times because we don't have the big roman reigns or brock lesnar thing to cap the show it's been running on the mid card right and that's it, it, it that's actually like you said gives me kind of some cautious optimism that mania actually could be pretty good once you throw everything together i do think there's a lot of times where mania starts off and it's, it starts off with a huge bang right and then by the time you get to the end, especially when it was one night and it was a slog, like 35, you get to the end and you're like, man, that really underdelivered because it just the, the end of it couldn't live up to the beginning. Right. This case, I think they're doing it the exact opposite, where yeah. the low card may not be as strong as it should be because of the releases, because of the booking, some of the of the things that we already talked about. But the main events, the big matches are big. The big moments are going to be big. Like if you just lopped off the bottom half of this card. Okay, and we're going to get to the rest of the show in a moment, folks. But if you if you lopped off the bottom of this card, you have title versus title, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Did we want it to be title versus title? No. But does it make sense for Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns to fight and for it to be a huge match? It does. And it's going to be a big match. Okay, Uh, Becky Lynch and uh, Bianca Belair, culmination of a rivalry and a storyline that they've been telling since SummerSlam. Zero problems with it, period. Okay, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. Their match at Survivor Series was very good when they fought each other. So I do think we're going to get a good match, even though we don't love the storyline, okay? Seth Rollins versus Cody, we, we know that seems to be the direction they're going. That's going to be a huge return for WWE and a spotlight match for one of their biggest superstars in Seth Rollins. That's going to be good. Kevin Owens and Steve Austin, 
How can that be bad? It's not going to be bad, right? So mm-hmm. you just start there. And that's an, and that's an you, extremely you strong WrestleMania card. And you didn't even mention Edge versus AJ Styles. Edge, I completely even forgot about Edge and, versus and, AJ Styles. And the in the triple threat tag for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Which, there are good there And, are and good by the way, the women's tag team championship match that isn't overloaded, yes, but there's a lot of really good wrestlers in there. Yeah. So just if just those. Not to mention, by the way, we're gonna have Sami Zayn hilarity with Johnny Knoxville, whatever that's gonna be. I think the Pat McAfee Austin Theory match does not belong on a WrestleMania. It belongs on another pay-per-view, but Pat McAfee, arguably the best celebrity wrestler of all time. Yeah. Let's not forget, you know, but there's a lot of other stuff as well that I could completely do without. So I guess what I'm saying is the build for Mania is not doing the card that we're actually getting justice. Yes. That's WWE's own fault. But at the same time, I do feel like fans are significantly downplaying the show and that's going to give it the opportunity, which... I don't know that any WrestleMania in a long time, at least, has exceeded expectations going in. Yeah. This one has an opportunity to do that. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's it's setting the expectations, honestly, pretty low to, to yeah. the point where I think there's a pretty good chance we'll be uh, pleasantly surprised at how much we enjoy the card just because of the way it's not even the it's not that the build has been bad. It's the way the build was structured. Like we did Brock versus Roman more than a month out and you set it so there's nothing else to really do so you got to do things like flip a car with a forklift just to kind of get you week to week um they've been slowly building the other stuff behind it that's again why i think when you put it all together by the end like a sandwich or something it could be pretty good like there's a good chance next week when we get those guys on raw because roman reigns and brock lesnar are going to be on raw next week it feels different yeah. You know what I mean? Where it feels like, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. And it all kind of pieces together. I have a feeling they're going to do a lot of go-home WrestleMania stuff on Raw instead of SmackDown. SmackDown is so close. You know, it's yes. one day before. It's 24 hours before. You need to do your go-home on Raw. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of SmackDown superstars. And they really kind of tell most of the stories. They save, you know, um, obviously the Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, they save the SmackDown tag team title story. If they do anything with Intercontinental title, which I don't think they're going to, there's a lot they can say for SmackDown, but I think a lot of the bigger stuff they're going to put on Raw. And yeah, we'll see what happens next week with that go home. But look, Chris, enough kind of talking about what went down this week. Let's actually get to it. And you know how we do that here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. We start by sliding into the main event. So let's get started with SmackDown. Roman Reigns opened the show saying he was looking forward to confronting Brock Lesnar for the first time since Madison Square Garden. Paul Heyman and the Bloodline were in the ring with him. Heyman said Lesnar's plane was grounded due to weather, so he wouldn't make it. Reigns said the crowd wanted to hear him speak anyway. And then Heyman interrupted him 30 seconds later to say Lesnar's plane landed. They ran out of the ring like cowards. Reigns had no idea. He's like, how? You just told me it wasn't going to land. How is it landing? Uh, It didn't really make a lot of sense, but they ran out of the ring like total cowards, got into an SUV backstage when Lesnar rammed it with a forklift. But right as the fork part of the vehicle went through the windows, SmackDown went to commercial. And I could not fathom why any show of any genre, sports, entertainment, drama, sports entertainment, whatever, would go to commercial in that moment as something massively major is happening. It would be like someone getting to the goal line at the Super Bowl 
and then going to commercial and coming back. And what you missed during the commercial was the, the touchdown and the extra point or the goal line stand on fourth down or something like that. I just couldn't imagine that. Um, plus, this came after the absurdity of Heyman finding out Lesnar was going to arrive, like I said, inside of a minute after he told Reigns that his plane was down and he wasn't going to be able to get there. This is the biggest storyline in WWE, Chris. And we're going to talk about the second half of what happened. But they should not be struggling to nail it this hard. No, this is this is what I just said, where they, they said it to a, a month plus ago, and they've kind of just had to figure out things to do in the ensuing weeks since. I, I liked Roman's promo, like aside from the Heyman stuff, like I've really enjoyed this Roman Reigns cockiness type of stuff. Uh, you know, we've never quite seen this side of him really in, in his whole career. And it's really taking it's taking his skills to another level, reminding us just how far he's come in this new character. And he's he's getting the crowd riled up. He's doing a great job. Really like that. The Heyman thing, 30 seconds, plane was grounded, planes arrived. Yeah, it was weird. It, it was it was whatever. But I did enjoy. Roman saying basically like, well, that means, Paul, that you're going to have to wrap it up. And he, give, and he hands him the mic and leaves. That was pretty funny. And then you get to the, you know, he gets into the car, the forklift hits, you go to commercial. You're like, what the hell? This is the problem where WWE tries to straddle the line between sports and a drama. Because if you're watching a scripted drama, you know, someone will get like stabbed and then they'll go to commercial and they'll leave you like with a cliffhanger between commercials. But the problem is this is a, it's presented as a live show. It's presented like sports. So that doesn't quite make sense. Now I I assume the reason they did it was because they had to do the, you know, as they come back from commercial, here's what you missed. Well, they didn't have to, they didn't have to do that. If it happened live on show. (laughs) What I'm saying is normally what they do in these situations is, they will have pre-taped it where, and you've got a bunch of different camera angles all right. set up and it's very clearly cinematography type stuff or whatever. And, and and that's how they would normally do it. They would present it live. They would have just pre-taped it earlier. I'm very surprised they didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do it that way instead doing it this way. And I think the reason is because they wanted Roman to cut a, Brock to cut a promo or whatever, but it's very weird the way it played out. It just, all the other ways, like you said, it could have been done. The whole thing, the whole backstage part could have been pre-taped. And, and then it would have maybe made sense to do it that way. But they come back from commercial. And I'm like kind of furious here as a viewer because <laughs> it's one thing if someone makes their entrance to a ring and we have to wait for the match. Like, at least I understand what they're doing. But I'm, I'm like furious as a viewer. A guy just ran an SUV. Like, imagine if Mr. McMahon got into that limo. Okay, and they showed it, and then they went to commercial, and they came back, and like during commercial break, the limo blew up. You're like, wait, what? Why did like why didn't you just show me this when he got into the limo? It doesn't make any sense. So that's what I'm getting at here. They yeah. come back, and the bloodline is shown during commercial, mind you. There's like a big graphic. This is what happened while we were at commercial break, and the whole time I'm thinking, why were you at commercial break? Why are you showing me this in a recap package? But anyway, the bloodline was later shown crawling out the other side as Lesnar lifted the SUV and dropped it on its side. They then ran into a pickup truck, which Lesnar then 
ran after them, grabbed a door, and it just fell off. It was gimmicked, obviously, but whatever. It, the the kayfabe ripped it off. The pickup sped out of the arena. Lesnar then walked to the ring with the door in hand. He stomped it a few times. He said, Reigns unleashed a bipolar beast. He said, Roman can run and hide. But in two weeks, Lesnar's coming for blood. And it ended being pretty strong and exciting segment overall. You know, I, I thought the what happened backstage and what they showed was exciting. Lesnar coming out with the door was hysterical. Um, I forgot if it was Lesnar or Strowman. Someone ripped off a car door on Raw like a year oh, ago, I, two years ago I or something. Brock Brock did that. I think he like threw it and he, he almost, threw like, it threw it into the crowd. Right. That, that's right. He didn't mean to throw it into the crowd, but it like hit someone yeah. in the crowd. That's, <laughs> that's right. So like it reminded me of that. I was laughing, seeing him carry it to the ring like it was a championship. All that was really funny. But I, I honestly couldn't get around the absurdity of them going to commercial in that moment. I, I Maybe they somehow pre-taped the second half and they had to make a cut. So that's why they did it. I don't know. But it unnecessarily tamped it down as less exciting than it was. I will say, though, overall from top to bottom, it was a good entertaining segment. It just wasn't executed well. Yeah, it, it was a good finish. It was a good general story they told. Brock, yeah, it was a gimmick door, but it was still pretty freaking cool just watching him carry around a truck door and throw it and do all these different things. That's just, it's, it's really cool. You know, also one of the reasons I think they filmed it the way they did or at least tried to is because they were not in the car when they hit him with the forklift. Like, sure, they they got about there. You hit it with the forklift. Then you come back. You show them crawling out like they did. Like I get why, but again, that's that's why you could have done it a different way. It, it's like they didn't. I don't. Know, it's almost like they didn't think of how to do it until the show was about to start. <laughs> that's what. Out. That's what you're. That's what you're saying though. They could have if yeah. they pre-taped it. Yeah. Then just air the pre-tape in that moment. Yeah. Cut. Yeah. Cut. So, and you know they're running out. Yeah. So it, it was a little weird, but overall the story they told, the way they did it, Brock looked great. There was more energy at the end of it. I got more excited for the match because of it. So it was definitely mission accomplished. So it was a little bit weird, weird way to get there, but overall I liked it. Also, this this thing had 2.3 million views on the YouTube channel. 2.3 million. That's like quadruple anything else on YouTube. Was it was it called Brock Lesnar rips a car door off? Or, like, it's called or attacks Brock Reigns Le- with a forklift or something. It's called Brock Lesnar attempts to cut off Roman Reigns with a picture of him in the forklift. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. Like again, exciting moment, good idea. Um, just not, sloppy. not great execution. Could have done it better. That's not, and that's unfortunate. Anyway, so that's it for the main event storyline. Like nothing on raw. We'll, they'll be on raw next week. We'll talk about it next week in our ultimate preview. Uh, the glass broke to open raw. The crowd went absolutely ape shit. And after a moment of delay, which whenever there's a delay, you know, Kevin Owens came out dressed like Stone Cold Steve Austin with a bald cap that was peeling off his head doing his entire entrance mannerisms, the promo style. He did the whole shebang. The heat was real. He got what chance and we want Austin chance. And right as like he's in the middle of the promo, the music hits again and everyone fell for it a second time. And KO laughed at everyone uh, for falling for it. Owens missed two beers that were thrown in the ring. He demanded the guy at ringside hand him one. KO obviously stunned the guy. He did Austin's, you know, shit talk where he shakes his head on the canvas. He dumped two beers right on the dude before refusing to drink himself and throwing a beer up the ramp. You know, this was short, sweet. It was brilliant. You knew it was a juke from the start. It was, you know, it's the opposite of what happened on SmackDown. This was perfectly executed in every way. It was a callback to numerous times. WWE has done similar things in the past. 
Um, you know, it was executed extremely well, just like uh, when the Miz, I think it was, came out as the Rock with the bald cap on. Very mm-hmm. similar vibes yeah. to that, of course, and it's happened way before that in WWE history. But it was great. Owens did a fantastic job. That can only be accomplished by someone who truly like loves the industry. And Owens in particular loves Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of his wrestling idols growing up. It, it takes someone like that with that kind of ability and like institutional knowledge of the character to do it all the ways he did. It wasn't just making the entrance and dressing like him, but all the little intricacies that went along with it. He absolutely nailed it. I thought it was the best thing singular on WWE TV this whole week. So many little things, right? Including making sure he hit all four turnbuckles and doing it in the way that Austin did it. So everybody can get their picture and, and also credit to WWE the way they filmed it because they're so formulaic and how they do it. They filmed it like they filmed Stone Cold Steve Austin. So like you have all the right lights, the entrance, the camera angles, everything felt like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just it was Kevin Owens there being the one doing it. My uh, my parents are in, in town this weekend. I watched Raw with my dad and we both popped when when the Austin music hit at first. I didn't get fooled at the beginning because right. we talked about this last week. I said, do they really not bring Austin out until WrestleMania? Do you bring him out, get a crowd pop, get talk, get people talking about it uh, on, on a Monday night, you know, to help to help sell Mania. And Owens and maybe, can just oh, run away. He can run into the crowd. Oh, yeah. Owens can run away. Yeah. Can, yeah there were, I, I was I thought they might do that. So when they opened with that, I thought, oh, we're actually getting it. And then they they tricked me. And then I'm like, he's probably going to fake have Stone Cold come out. In, in whatever and then the music hits and it got me again like the music just gets you there is no wrestling music that is more likely to pop you to to catch you than than the, than the glass breaking so yeah. even though owens fooled him twice i got fooled twice he fooled them twice like it, it really worked and yeah this is just perfectly executed by everybody involved again from kevin owens to the production team to the camera guys that shot at, at the end when 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 Owens is up on the turnbuckle and the camera guy's down and you've got the beer on its side, that was a beautiful shot. I don't know if this is a complete accident or what, but no, that was on purpose. That was, that was on purpose. No, no, no. I'm saying that the fact that the the beer rolled there, or if they grabbed oh, it, and put it there. I don't know. You put it there, but but it, put it, it, it was it was a beautiful shot and just yeah, just perfectly executed by everybody. And and I continue to be more interested in this. So I agree. The first time it didn't get me right. Um, whenever Raw starts and it's silent for a couple minutes, that's always on purpose, right? It's because someone's about to make their entrance that they want mm-hmm. They want you to hear the crowd pop, right? Yeah. And it's either glass shattering, do you smell what The Rock is cooking or, you know, something equivalent to one of those. So when that started, I was like, oh, something's happening. Like, so I didn't know it was going to be Austin, but I was like, something's happening. They do the glass breaking. I knew it wasn't Austin. I knew, you know, I knew it was a fake out. He came out, he does a the thing. They got me the second time. Now, it wasn't like an extended that gotcha, but like it hit, yeah. I was like, holy shit. And then I was like, oh no, it's just, a, it's going to be a fake. Yeah. But they got yep. me for a good, like five to 10 seconds where I was like, oh wait, like, are they really doing this? So credit to them, you know, they, they worked the crowd twice um, and the crowd, the crowd ate it up and bought into it and booed the shit out of them. It was a really good Chicago crowd. They were not great all night. They were great for this. There's no question about it. Yeah. hundred percent. Very enjoyable. All right, so let's go to what was really the main event storyline on Raw, and that had to do with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was backstage laughing when asked about WrestleMania, 
as fans chanted Cody. Uh, he stole the mic and interrupted the Mysterios versus Dirty Dogs match. We'll talk about that later. Bitching about not having a WrestleMania spot, but his mic kept getting cut off purposefully uh, while he was doing it. Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville like admonished him backstage, saying he failed with his opportunity last week. And Pierce said he'd look into seeing if there was anything he could do for Rollins. AJ Styles came out at the 9 p.m. hour. He got really loud chants. Styles said he rewatched the concerto over and over. He doesn't care about the reasons, but Edge will get the pitbull he wants at WrestleMania. Styles called out Edge, but Rollins answered instead. Rollins suggested Styles is not recovered. He should just go home to his family and come back after Mania so that Rollins can go to Mania and end Edge's career as he should have done before. Rollins was manic, suggesting he take Styles out Nancy Kerrigan style. Uh, Styles said he would destroy Edge, then get back to Rollins. Pearson DeVille said Rollins had one last chance at Mania, and they liked his idea. If he beats Styles in the main event, he will go on to face Edge. Styles was, of course, furious. He went Pitbull style attacking Rollins to end the segment, and then backstage he yelled at Pierce and DeVille, and he also insulted both of them. First of all, Styles is so over that he's only been a face for like a couple weeks, and he's back as one of the top good guys in the entire company. The story of Rollins doing to Styles what he did to Owens last week, it makes all the sense in the world from the standpoint of his mental makeup and doing a parallel storyline. But the authority figures granting him these chances is completely nonsensical when there's WrestleMania stuff that's already booked and the show is so close. It's to the point that Styles, when he went backstage, he told them it's stupid and they had nothing to say. They had no way to defend themselves and say, well, you may think so, but no, it is stupid. And that's what's happening. The whole no road to WrestleMania storyline, it's overplayed. It's completely played out. I guess the positive is they found a different way to go about it here with Rollins. But considering Edge kind of did the no road to WrestleMania before Rollins started his, considering Omos is kind of doing the same thing now, not to mention it's been done so many times previously, and those three are all on one show. To me, it's just, it, it's grading and it's, it's wearing on me, but we're almost done with it, right? This goes back to what we were talking about, Chris, early in the show. The road isn't that great, but if we do get a big Seth Rollins match on the show, on the show, it has a chance to be awesome. Yes. And let's not forget that the build to last year's WrestleMania was not good either. It's pretty much an annual thing now that the build to Mania. I mean, last year there were no fans, man. It was tough. Yeah, but so the set stuff was most of it was interesting. Him coming out, interrupting various people, the mic cutting out on him, all this. I was very much in tune with this. I love when storylines that are unrelated cross streams essentially cross paths Seth coming out during a Mysterio match just to complain about stuff that makes the that makes the show Mm -hmm. feel like an entire universe makes it feel connected yeah Yeah, so that 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 was good and you're right the the problem is you can't just how, how, how do you get to Wrestlemania I can't get there blah 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 I need to figure out how to get there Alpha we'll get to it in a minute but Alpha Academy just beat up some people and just got a match like it, they, they, they had no reason to actually be in the championship match. Technically, they just beat the teams up last week and all of a sudden they just got added to the match. And apparently that's all you have to do to get a WrestleMania. So it's, it's weird that Seth Rollins has to go through this in that context. Yes, but I was still interested just in the path that he's taking to get there when they give us the oh, we're going to do AJ versus Seth. 
uh, we're going to basically repeat what we did last week. I was like, eh, kind of annoyed, but hey, we're going to get AJ versus Seth, so it'll at least be pretty good, just like Seth versus Kevin Owens was. So I went in, and, and maybe we'll get some resolution to the Seth thing now at the end of the match. So I was optimistic still heading into it all. Yeah, I want to clarify. I'm not saying it was bad by any means. I'm just I'm just saying the storyline is this is this is a, a the paradigm of what we were talking about in the intro, where yes, it's it's formulaic, repetitive. But by the time we get there, it'll probably pay itself off. But again, it's why it's why the excitement is tamped down because you have one of your biggest stars in Seth Rollins without a match at WrestleMania. And, you know, they didn't have one four weeks out, three weeks out, now two weeks out. And we're going to go into next week and he still doesn't have one. And again, that's just part of part of the overall sentiment that's creating a problem. That's all I'm trying to explain. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we got the main event. Styles versus Rollins with the edge match on the line. The match began with 25 minutes left. The crowd was singing Rollins' theme. It was billed as Rollins' last chance at WrestleMania. Styles flung himself outside. He hit the phenomenal forearm over the top rope. Rollins hit a neckbreaker over the middle rope and dodged Styles, who was running at him, uh, banged into the middle turnbuckle face first. Rollins talked trash, and they slapped and punched each other. Styles hit an awesome, like, atomic-style facebuster for a near fall. Uh, Rollins countered Styles' clash into a rolling elbow and a falcon arrow for a near fall. The fans were... Loving it. They were so freaking loud here. Uh, they did counters and pinning combinations off a stomp attempt. Styles countered a buckle bomb into a corner suplex. They battled in the corner and Styles caught Rollins with an injured leg. He put him in the torture rack and hit a spinning sit down rack bomb for a 2.5. Rollins countered the phenomenal forearm with a super kick and hit the buckle bomb, but Styles got knees up on a frog splash and the match was just on fire at this point. And then it ended suddenly with. Styles outside trying to do phenomenal forearm, Edge hitting him in the back with a chair twice, forcing a disqualification, which gave Styles the win and locked up the WrestleMania match. Rollins went nuts. He said, this is bullshit and Raw will not happen next week if he doesn't get his mania moment. He said bullshit five more times. It was bleeped, I think, five of the six total times that he said it. Uh, He started tearing apart the announce desk, the barricade, the steps. He ripped off part of the ring post. Uh, and just did whatever he could to mess up the ringside area. Fans chanted Cody for a moment, and then Raw ended with Rollins staring at the sign. So, you know, going into the match, I was thinking, they're really going to have Rollins lose two weeks in a row. And how is that going to look as they're building this guy up for Mania, and this guy's claiming that he deserves a Mania match? I thought that would be a bad decision. So when I saw the match, I was like, I know the match is going to be good. I don't know how they get around that finish. And they did with the disqualification. So I'm not sure if I would have preferred him losing clean, which I always want people to win and lose clean. To this finish, it's just tough to say. This did technically make more sense given Edge has already beaten Rollins, has been calling out Styles for weeks, and has a vested interest in wanting to fight Styles. So it wasn't really a normal schmoz DQ that WWE would use to get out of a booking that it shouldn't have made in the first place. This was a great match. I have to downgrade it because of the finish to four stars and an A minus because we didn't get to see it play out, but it was heading for 4.5. I mean, it was a a fantastic wrestling match. The post-match teardown, Chris, it was great though. Reminiscent of Bret Hart in 97 when he just went absolutely wild. WWE bleeping bullshit at nearly 11 p.m., is ridiculous. You can say asshole and bitch on Fox at eight on, on network, but you can't say bullshit on cable at 11. 
I, I that to me was weird. Well, can't, uh, can't they say shit? Aren't they allowed like one shit now? They're allowed to. So, he he could say bullshit fifty times if he wants. It's allowed. No, I'm saying WWE is not allowing it. Right, but there was that time back not that long ago where, where Rollins tweeted something about like, oh, we can say shit now on TV, and and like, they can I, and I they think, do. They have. Yeah, yeah, and AEW's done it a couple times. Well, AEW WWE, does think, a million things. Well, right, AEW, on, it, on cable TV, yeah. on cable TV. You can say fuck on cable TV. You can say it on USA, TNT, FX. FX does it all the time. Their shows, many of them are uncensored in terms of the F word and other similar words. Um, the show Dave, uh, Mr. Robot, ton, uh, Mr. Robot was, was USA Network. Mr. Robot, they use the F word on USA Network. So you do not have to censor this word. WWE <laughs> chose to. Again, I'm kind of going nuts on something that isn't that important. I, I realize that. It was just, it would have hit so much harder if you hear this guy going on a bullshit tirade as opposed to bull bleep and then bleep, bleep, bleep as he's going through it. It just, here, here. to me, it took me out. Let me finish and then you can, I'll let you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I did think it was really cool the way they rigged some stuff to break and WWE did succeed in creating a storyline that had a main event talent in it that felt like a main event storyline, even though there's no title involved and no opponent involved. It tells you the level to which they are going to be booking Cody going forward. <laughs> it was a good enough Raw overall. It was a really strong 25-minute main event. And I did, despite the bleeps, I did really enjoy the way Raw went off the air. Yes, I, I liked I liked the finish to the Owens match last week where it was not a ref bump. It was more just a ref in a tough spot, and it was kind of bad luck for Seth. And then this is kind of bad luck for Seth again because Edge obviously wants to fight AJ, so he does that. So you can understand they, they've done a good job giving Seth a reason to be mad because these things keep happening to him. And, and again, we got we got Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens last week. We got Seth Rollins versus AJ this week. Give me that any day of the week. You know, it's going to be good. And it was. And so him tearing everything down at the end, I was mostly just disappointed that we didn't get Cody this week because I'm just like, oh, man, I was I didn't want to do it two weeks in a row where we don't get Cody. But they're just they're just. They're just drag, teasing you along to, to the build, and it's, it's going to be great when it happens. I, I, with, with the bleeps, yes, there's no reason to bleep them, but I also think their attempts to bleep them and unsuccessful attempts to bleep them actually added a little bit more intensity as well because it's telling you Seth isn't supposed to be saying this, but he is saying it. That's how pissed off he is. So I, I, I think it. I think it. It was just a little thing that I actually think helped a little bit, but. Yeah, this I guess we're doing good, bad, ugly. I think th this was obviously good. Uh, or at not. This, this, point, is not I, this is the main event, but you're welcome. To okay, still want. main event. But you're at, at this point, <laughs> at this point, you know, do we think we get Cody next week, or do we think they wait till Mania now? I th they're going to wait till WrestleMania. I, I guess I don't think they should, but yeah, I think they are. Yeah, you know, if you're if you've gone this far with it, right? Um, I think the resolution next week is Seth Rollins hijacks Raw to start the show. He does the sit-in in the ring with the chair and refuses to leave, which we've seen many times, but can still be entertaining, especially when you're someone like Seth who can, who's, you know, fantastic on the mic. So, you know, top tier. Um, he does that kind of sit-in hijack of the show. And then, you know, he does it for 15 minutes. They come back from commercial. Adam Pierce gets him out of the ring by telling him, Seth, we will have a match for you at WrestleMania. We're still figuring it out, but we'll get, you know, we'll get you something on the card. That is how I happen to think it's going to go down. They can save Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the 11 p.m. hour. 
Um, that can be the main event of the show. So they don't need to sell Rollins at the end. They can kind of wrap Rollins up inside the first, first 30 to 45 minutes of Raw, sets the stage. You will have a high profile opponent, but you're not going to find out who it is until WrestleMania. It teases the fans, um, even though the fans already know. It helps confirm to the fans that it is going to be what we think it's going to be. And it satiates Rollins, where it creates an end to the natural end to the storyline. That's what I think is going to happen next week. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if 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 it's just Pierce saying we have an opponent, we're not going to tell you, or maybe Seth says I have an opponent, but I'm not going to tell you. I, either way, I th- that's part of the that's part of the drama too. Is how exactly they're going to get there next week? I I, mean, I am very curious how they're going to get there. Yeah, and and I and I tell you this: if they save Cody Rhodes' return debut for Mania, there is no bigger way to emphasize that this guy is a huge freaking deal correct and by doing it that way so i mean look so you that would, look a, a go home a go home raw you're you're still huge right if you're, you're if, if you're showing up monday you are but if they're bringing you back at mania that means i mean who how many times have they done that right it's happened very few times in history the most recent being the freaking hardy boys maybe yeah. not necessarily the best tag team in wwe history but the most over tag team in WWE history. Mm -hmm. And they did it right at the start of WrestleMania. So could I see them returning Cody Rhodes in that moment and giving him the same level of fanfare as the Hardys? I mean, I wouldn't think that they would, but if they're going to, then it tells you number one, what they think of him. What number two, Mm -hmm. what they think of the coup they pulled. If they believe they pulled one by getting him away from AEW or being willing to pay him enough to do it. It also tells you you know, when I just mentioned pay, how much they're probably spending on Cody, where they say, hey, well, if we're going to pay this guy X million dollars, we need to treat him like a big effing deal, right? And yep. that's their decision. You know, again, people will c- complain, myself included, I just went through it, I bitched a little bit, about the booking of the WrestleMania moment story and, and Rollins not having an opponent in a match, and it's repetitive, and John Cena did it, and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, if you're WWE, you're, you're, you sign Cody and the very first decision you have to make is when is he debuting? And you have two options, really. He either debuts at WrestleMania or not at WrestleMania, right? So if you decide he's going to debut at WrestleMania, you are extremely limited in your booking options to get you all the way to that point. You just are. That's how it is. If you decide not to book him at WrestleMania, you then choose before or after you figure out a storyline and you get it done. But once they decided we want Cody to return at WrestleMania and they wanted him to have a match, there's only so many other ways. There's only so many ways you can do it. They already did the insert a a person or team into a match that already exists for a title. They certainly weren't going to do that for title versus title. So they were either going to do that as in the intercontinental or U S championship feud, or they were going to do this storyline. They chose this storyline. I don't know what else they could have done. Yeah, no, that that's that's really what it is now. It's just they're going... That was a big question. How big of a deal are they going to treat Cody when he comes back? And they're treating him like a very, very special guy. And, and good for him, you know, once that happens. It, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they present him, what his entrance music is, kind of a lot, lot of things, a lot of questions though about this. And that's, that's True. why I think there's a lot of the intrigue. Even if we think he's coming, there's still a lot of questions unanswered. Including maybe the biggest one coming out of it. Will he actually live up to the hype? And the only way we're going to know that is by seeing what happens 
at WrestleMania and probably his first promo on the Raw after WrestleMania. But Chris, that is it this week for the main event. Let us move on to our second segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Charlotte Flair was in the main event segment on SmackDown. She talked trash and got a little heat saying she's the mountain Ronda Rousey needs to climb to create a legacy. Flair said Rousey will go home and make another baby when she loses. I don't know how many times we have to hear that exact same insult uh, because she doesn't have the same heart, soul or passion for this that Charlotte does. Flair said she wants to embarrass her in her hometown. SmackDown was in Charlotte. Kayla Braxton told Rousey backstage that Charlotte's probably luring her into a trap, but Rousey stormed out anyway. Flair grabbed the kendo stick. Rousey ducked and then they brawled. Flair dumped Rousey dangerously outside, but Rousey threw her into the post twice and got an ankle lock. Charlotte reached over the timekeeper's area, grabbed another hidden kendo stick and choked Ronda with it while bending her backwards. Flair then powerbombed Rousey into the table, which finally collapsed. (laughs) For the first yes. time in weeks, it took yes. Ronda Rousey yes. to break the damn table. Uh, yes. And then Flair stood on her stomach as the show went off the air. Rousey's mouth got busted open hard way. Uh, this wasn't necessarily amazing, Chris, but it was a hundred times better than last week. This felt almost like they fixed the glitch. Now it's time to move forward with two shows left. But for this on SmackDown Friday, this was good. It was good. Yes, there's some real animosity and some energy there, which has really been lacking. I still don't think these two have very much chemistry, have very good chemistry, at least since Ronda came back, whether it's on the mic or working together. It was a bit clunky as their brawl kind of started. But you got to the big spots and and, and they were the big spots, you know, you you wanted to have. I, I really wish, you know, we're talking about not having Roman and Brock on every show. I really wish Ronda would have a match or two before Mania. She did have one against DeVille, but you're right. That's true, yes. So, like, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, step in the right direction. Still not the feud I think should main event night one, but still probably will. Uh, step forward, so it was good. It just feels emotionless. Like, yes, no one's exactly. really buying in to Ronda, and no one really cares at this point to boo Charlotte. They're so, they're excited to see Ronda, but they're not behind Ronda. They're not behind her. Exactly. That's what it is. And it just feels kind of, you know what? It feels exactly the way it would have felt if WWE went with this for WrestleMania 35 and left Becky out. Yep. This is what we would have gotten. And that's why it was, they needed to obviously throw Becky in there. Now we all think, of course, it should have been Becky versus Ronda in that match, but you know, they still did a much better job with all three of them. Becky carried a lot of weight on her shoulders going into 35. This proves it because this is the same, a very similar type of feud without Becky Lynch. And look what it is. And look how much we not necessarily dislike it, but are not passionately caring about it. It just goes to show you. Speaking of uh, big time Bex, Becky Lynch came out in one of those asinine sun visors uh, and sat in a chair in the ring on Raw sharing some philosophical thoughts. She said when she was out, she knew she would do whatever it took to get the title back and called it her precious. Uh, that's, what is that? Um, Lord of the Rings? Is that what that is? Uh, which Precious one are talking about? Smeagol? Is that the Yeah, ring? yeah, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. I, I've at least seen those. I just, I didn't want to get the reference wrong. We, we uh, got to talk s- about the Obi-Wan. We got to talk about the Obi-Wan trailer at some point, but that's that's enough pop culture. <laughs> when you say we got to talk about it, you can talk about it on your Star Wars podcast, which does not exist. 
That will not happen here on uh, Getting Over. <laughs> uh, Lynch said that the only thing that matters to her is the title. She's the prize atop the mountain. And the fans that chose Bianca Belair basically told Lynch that she must sell her soul to keep the title. Lynch said Belair injuring her was an accident, but Becky hurting Bianca was on purpose. Lynch said Belair would have to sell her soul to win the title back. And she knows Bianca can't do that and won't do that. I don't exactly love the Belair injury storyline. By the way, she missed the show because she fractured a bone in her throat. They told this to us on Twitter Saturday. on Saturday. Saturday. Um, Saturday. And During she, basketball, in the middle of basketball. In the middle of basketball, she missed a, a appearance with some cell phone company. It just seems unnecessary to do an injury angle for Bianca so close to the show, given they already had the Braid storyline going, which I don't know if they've dropped or they're, they're not talking about it anymore, but whatever. It did allow for a great promo from Becky Lynch. Was it a little overindulgent? Yeah, sure. But it was also fantastic and something only maybe one or two other women in the entire industry could pull off. Just another reminder. I've been saying it a lot recently. Becky is the goat woman all time on the mic. This was obviously good. Yeah, definitely good. I I don't think it was one of her best promos, just because I think she has so many really, really good ones. It kind of felt like they decided over the weekend they want to do a Becky standalone promo, but they can't have Bianca interfere. So they had to write her off with an injury a day before, even, even though the injury happened like six days prior. Uh, and it's also the second injury uh, beat down storyline on Raw along with AJ Styles. So, but, you know, they, they got there. It was a great promo. And it was another reminder just with Becky of like, you know, she willed her way into that main event of WrestleMania 35 and she and Bianca have willed their way to the spot where they deserve to main event the night one. And I don't know if they're going to. They're probably not going to. But that is a storyline that way more people are interested in. There is no question that this should be the main event match for night one of WrestleMania. Um, I mean, they've literally been telling the storyline story since August. Mm-hmm. And and WWE is not going to do it. I think they're going to open the show. Honestly, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, um, could be. But it should main event. You're a thousand percent right. Sasha Banks and Naomi fought Live for Brutality, which hey, a women's tag team got a name. It's great. They only used it on SmackDown. They didn't use it on Raw, but whatever. Uh, what a world. The champions were ringside. Sasha Banks and uh, Liv Morgan had a fun sequence. Naomi did a split over Liv's knees that had to hurt. I, I don't care. What a person has there that had to hurt. Uh, Banks did a step through Hurricanrana on Rhea Ripley, who came back with a delayed vertical suplex, then a double cannonball off the ring apron. Naomi hit Ripley with a disaster kick and Banks nailed Morgan with a meteora for a near fall. Ripley hit a gorgeous missile dropkick that Banks sold like death for a 2.8. Sasha countered Riptide into a backstabber, hitting a Vader bomb and tagging Naomi for the split moonsault, but Liv saved the fall. Liv was on the bottom of a super duper plex with fans going wild for this match when Natalia and Shayna Baszler ran in to force the DQ in 13 minutes. Sound familiar? Yeah, just like Rollins and Styles on Raw. Uh, The champions entered and all eight women brawled. The match was a banger that fans were loving. So of course they ruined it with shitty booking. Not only that, forcing Natalia and Baszler into this Mania match is completely unnecessary. It's going to get slowed down when it was really strong with three teams as we got a glimpse of in this match. So I'm going to split the grade because it would be unfair to shit on the match. The match, I'm going to go 3.25 stars B, downgrade because it didn't get a finish. Very good. 
very fun. The booking, Chris, was bad. They should not be in this match. And they're only in this match because they interfered and in, in, in beat some people up, right? Yeah. I didn't miss anything else. Yeah. So again, that's now two tag teams have gotten WrestleMania matches just by doing that. And apparently Seth Rollins cannot get onto Mania <laughs> by doing that. Or it's not smart enough to just go beat somebody up and get put into a match, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, it, look, I like I like we like Shayna Baszler. I really like Shayna Baszler. <laughs> yeah, me too. And it's just it's weird. And it's also weird because it's like a, a year ago we did a multi-woman tag and it was Natalia and Tamina as a tag team. And say what you will about that tag team. It's just it's just a random pairing of people kind of right now. Well, no, yeah, they, they were a legit team, but they got cheered and they didn't change the titles. Oh, yes. Oh, them. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking Shane, Shane. That's why Shane and Natalia yes, is random. That's random. Yes. Uh, Although I guess I guess an Italian Tamina on different shows. Tamina's on Raw, I guess. Maybe that's all. I don't know. So yeah, if it was just those three teams, I think it could it would have been a really hot match at Mania. Now, yeah, like you said, it's gonna maybe be slowed down and bogged down a little bit. It's a shame. It's it's a lot of teams, but you want to get everybody involved. I guess this is how you do it instead of doing a battle royal on a pre-show. So what's your grade here? Uh The match was good. The, the the end was bad. Cut the difference. I'll say good. Okay. Uh, Queen Zelina yelled at Carmella on Raw for being self-obsessed and not concentrating on their title match. Mella downplayed it. Zelina threw her phone. Mella insulted the crown and then smacked um, Zelina across the face. Then they brawled. This was all backstage. I'm sitting there thinking, this is the stupidest shit ever. Why would you have champions split and fight each other before Mania? This is so convoluted. So then we get to the match. We have live for brutality against Natalia and Baszler. Mella came out to ringside to complain to Corey Graves during the match. Natalia took out Liv with a rolling lariat and combined with Baszler for the seated heart attack for the win in four minutes. Zelina struck Ripley with her scepter after the bell. Mella got up on Natalia and Baszler outside, and the heel showed that they played everyone, including yours truly, by hugging in the ring. I wanted to hate the whole thing, but it was actually a good, very simple story with the heels being heels and getting up over the faces. The match being so short was obviously ridiculous but it accomplished a goal. This was better than what happened on SmackDown. So I'm actually going to give this a good, even though I shouldn't. Um, but again, I just have to stress one final time, Natalia and Baszler do not need to be in this match and should not be in this match. Yeah, like, look, look, the, the, the Carmella, you know, they told a story on the show. Ultimately, did it matter? Was it consequential at all? No, they fake broke up and got together on one show just so they could beat some people up. Does it really matter? No. Match was fine. I, I was just kind of whatever about this. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. It's it's kind of one of those just like, all right, fine, it happened. I'll, I guess I'll give it a good, but it's like one of those very low ones. Agreed. Very low, for sure. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs fought Los Lotharios on SmackDown. Boogs got the hot tag and pressed Umberto Creo 10 times before throwing him into Angel Garza. Then he grabbed Angel in a pump handle and curled him five times before hitting the Boobs Cruise slam for the win. Perfectly fine match. This should have come before they were named number one contenders, maybe as part of a gauntlet or something that helps determine the challengers. Whatever, it was good enough. Yeah, I I, I, I really, I like, I, I like this team and I really like Boobs. I just, it's been a while now. It's been months. I'm still baffled by the haircut. 
he looked like you know the the jean romper, long hair. Like he looked just he looked like a rocker. Now he looks like a Greco-Roman wrestler who's doing a guitar for some reason. Well, he it's, looks like he looks like Freddie Mercury, which is what they're doing. I, I, I guess, but because he's, he's doing the he's doing the he's doing the call but and response. The he hey is, but he's, oh, so he's, they're doing he is, a Freddie but, Mercury thing. But he's doing it in the singlet every time. It's I know. Just, it's, I, know. I, thought the, I thought the previous look was great. There was nobody else who looked like that. Yep. And I'm still annoyed by it. But overall, it was fine. It was good. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sami Zayn backstage blamed Johnny Knoxville as the reason he's not Intercontinental Champion. They did funny shit all week with Knoxville flying Zayn's phone number on like the tail of a plane in Los Angeles. And Sammy got his phone blown up by calls, texts, voicemails. Sammy challenged Knoxville to an anything goes match which I presume is a street fight with added comedy and stuff. Knoxville later accepted in a video message. As I've said before, given the title is not involved, I have no problem now with this being on Mania. The added stipulation is necessary because, look, Knoxville's a jackass and not a wrestler. And it's pretty clear, I think, that the whole jackass crew is going to come out and create enough chaos and animosity and, and, and confusion. Animosity is the wrong word. Chaos and confusion where somehow Sami Zayn loses at WrestleMania. Like, I have to believe that's what's going to happen. So again, I, I didn't like this uh, when they were doing the stupid, whatever that show was in Zayn, that was horrible. But ever since they've yeah. moved past it, they've taken the Intercontinental title off of him. This has been good and this was good. Uh, agree. Yeah, it, it was fine. It was not much to it, but an added stipulation I think is necessary on a card that doesn't have a lot of stipulations. So uh, good to have that. It was good. Uh, Pat McAfee was summoned to Vince McMahon's office. Michael Cole speculated that he might be fired. And I was just like, why the hell is Cole speculating that this guy's going to get fired? It it didn't make a shred of sense to me. Who the fuck knows? Uh, McAfee hit the ring and cut a promo about finding professional wrestling. He used those words on TV, falling in love with it and taking Cole's offer to do SmackDown commentary. Austin Theory entered. McAfee explained he was told by Vince McMahon, presumably, to apologize or lose his WrestleMania match. McAfee apologized for beating Theory's ass, Theory being a douchebag, making Theory relevant, and Theory being a punk bitch. Theory took a selfie and pushed McAfee to end the segment. It felt like McAfee's promo was going somewhere, and then it just fell off with the apology stuff. It was another instance of something like working until it didn't, but Pac on a mic is always going to be good. And even though, again, I don't really believe this should be a WrestleMania match, Pat with a mic, Pat wrestling, both of those things I like. Yeah, he's very good on the microphone. He's very good at cutting a promo with a lot of energy and enthusiasm that gets you into it. Uh, it's actually, speaking of bleeps, they actually bleeped him saying punk bitch on the YouTube clip of this uh, for some reason. So that was weird. Oh, uh, another example, yeah. though, of something that happened on Fox, you know, that they can't yeah. say bullshit on SmackDown, but they can say punk bitch on Fox. Go ahead. Yeah. So I don't know. This, it, Like you said, it just kind of ended abruptly and you were expecting maybe a little bit more, but it was fine. It was good. I meant USA Network and Raw. I don't know what I just said. I got confused, but yeah, it was fine. Uh, Finn Balor uh, fought Austin Theory on Raw in a non-title match. Theory talked shit about McAfee before, saying he'd embarrass Balor one more time on his road to WrestleMania. McAfee joined commentary before the bell, distracting Theory three times. Balor hit all of his signatures, but missed the coup de gras. Theory got him in a cradle for a near fall. Balor countered Theory, but got countered back into a neckbreaker over the knee. McAfee distracted Theory a fourth time, letting Balor catch him on the rolling dropkick into an inside cradle for the win. I wish I could tell you I liked a decent match between two wrestlers who I really like, but I didn't. The entire match was built around Theory and McAfee to the point that there was a distraction every 30 seconds and Balor's United States Championship storyline with Damian Priest 
who wasn't on the show was completely ignored. We didn't even yep. see Priest. They made it look like Balor was dominated. And the only reason he won was McAfee's help. This could have been done so much better. Balor is the one who should be looking strong, given he's, you know, the champion. And not just that, the new champion who's probably going to have a match at WrestleMania. So I wish I could tell you this was good because the elements, all three people I really liked, but it wasn't. This to me was bad booking. Yeah, no, this was bad. It, it was, the, the Pat McAfee story is not one that needs two shows worth mm-hmm. of content. You know, that's, you know, we didn't even get Roman and Brock on SmackDown and Raw. And we, we got, we got another McAfee appearance. And honestly, like I like McAfee, but he was kind of annoying here. Like he was, he, he wasn't, he yeah. wasn't doing commentary. He was just kind of trying to talk trash. And it took, it, it, like you said, it completely takes away from the fact that we have a United States champion. And that's not to mention, I didn't even like doing Theory Balor again, because we've seen it so many times and Theory keeps freaking winning. It's just, it's not, none of this is helping Balor right after he won the U.S. title. So yeah, didn't, did, did not like this at all. Definitely giving it a bad. Okay. Glad we're on the same page. I didn't know that you would agree, but you're, you nailed it actually. Um, he was annoying and this only needs to happen on SmackDown. There's so many people on SmackDown. Theory can be put over to look strong or that, mm-hmm. you know, McAfee can screw him, screw him up while he's fighting against. You don't need to have it invade a raw storyline with two people who should be going to WrestleMania and having a match again, Balor and Damian Priest, who again, wasn't on the show. Uh, RK bro fought alpha Academy in another non-title match. These were like back to back. There wasn't a bad promo from Chad Gable, but it was probably his worst promo in the last two or three months. It just didn't accomplish anything. Riddle did an awesome flip out of Gable's rolling German suplex. And then one with bro Derek Otis knocked Randy Orton over the barricade and took out Riddle, but the street profit saved him from the Vader bomb and hit a brand new 3D style assisted DDT. Riddle thanked them and the Prophets responded with the anointment and a frog splash to end the segment. The crowd was silent because it wasn't sure whether to cheer or boo because they had the Prophets take out RK Bro. That was really unfortunate because it was a good entertaining segment. So obviously I'm going to say good, but it just was kind of unfortunate the way it transpired. Yeah, I mean, when you got two faces, I mean, we said this a couple weeks ago when it was originally going to be just these two. It was like it was kind of weird with two faces and, and the Street Profits were the ones acting a little more tweener-ish. And I think they understand that the crowd's is going to be behind RK Pro more. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that worked. I, I like the Street Profits having a little bit more edge to them. I, I think that's something they've needed. So so that worked. And the only issue I had was the shorts that the Street Profits wore. It had the cursive Street Profits look, but it had it in the front. It looked very weird. It should have been on the back, essentially on the butt for the shorts. I don't know. That just really annoyed I, me. I could be wrong. But I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure on the WWE shop that there's a pair of shorts for Razor Ramon that say oozing machismo on the front. I, I'm Ooh. I'd have to I'd have to go and double check, but WWE is making a bunch of shorts with words on the front that are just you're Absurd. You're right. Here it is. Yep, you have it. it. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's pretty terrible in that regard. But the but uh, Bianca Belair makes the profits close. I don't think this is something they're selling. So yeah, I'm not sure why they did that, but I, I presume it's because um, you see the front of people in wrestling. Maybe that's the style now. Maybe it's the new style. Words on the front of shorts, and within six months, it'll be the new thing. I don't know. It's very crisscross esque <laughs> for me, at least. And I think like half our audience won't even get that reference. But I got um, it. Well, I know you did, but I'm thinking others are, who are younger than you. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, the Mysterios fought the Dirty Dogs. Miz was on commentary. Dolph Ziggler had the NXT title and was acknowledged as champion. Can you believe it? Uh, after Rollins' <laughs> interruption, Dominic had a good hot tag. 
Uh, he hit Robert Roode with a 619 and a straight splash, not a frog splash, for the win. Ziggler super kicked him. Ray chased Dolph. And Miz caught him with a skull-crushing finale. Miz then tore Ray's mask off and held it up like a prize as Dom got a towel for his dad. This all got the job done. I presume we're going to see a six-man this week, either on NXT or next week on Raw. Tearing off the mask to me, Chris, it always feels cheap when there's not a reason. And when it happened, there was no reason. But I will give them credit because Miz gave one saying Ray was Logan Paul's favorite wrestler. He always wanted a mask. And the, since the Mysterios disrespected both of them, they were going to disrespect the Mysterios and Lucha Libre. It wasn't great by any means, but it was perfectly good and it made sense. And sometimes that's all I really want. So yes, I'm going to give this good. I think they could have just reversed that order. Just have Miz threaten to pull off the mask to give it to Logan Paul and then do it as opposed to saying it after. Because yeah, it's like, whoa, and like it just kind of came out out of nowhere. So it was a little bit weird. Also, Ray like withering around in pain as he got the mask pulled off was a little weird. It's not like you like did anything to him. You just got to cover your face a little bit. Like you could have tried to like cower and stuff like that, but like withering around like his face had just been burned or something like that was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit weird, but uh, no, it was, it was fine. It was good. Like they explained it all at the end, added a little bit more. Yeah, it was good. Kofi Kingston fought Ridge Holland on SmackDown. WWE showed footage of Biggie's injury saying Holland apologized but Kofi wanted retribution anyway. That didn't make that much sense to me to say it that way, but whatever. Uh, Sheamus distracted the referee and Pete Dunne pushed Kofi off the top rope. So the referee ejected them. Dunne still interfered again and Holland won with Northern Grit in seven minutes. This to me made zero sense. Xavier Woods returned at house shows this past week. It was all over social media. So why not do an attack with Woods making the save in a big return spot and pop the crowd? you're going to save that for next week on the go home or sorry, this week, uh, two weeks before, or the week after one week, um, you know, one day, I'm sorry, before WrestleMania, I'm all over the place here. My point is I got what they were trying to go for, but it was bad. It just wasn't executed well. And it just did not make sense to not have Xavier Woods make the save here. You, you, you kept saying Pete Dunn. Who is that? Um, well, commentary explained again, that Butch's name is how Seamus and Holland know him. And I realized in while I was watching the show, I probably could have stomached the change to Butch a bit more if they said, well, this is Pete Dunne, the former WWE UK champion, but Seamus and Ridge Holland know him as Butch and they yes. called him Butch. But they ignored that this guy is accomplished they ignored that we've seen him for four or five years in NXT and NXT UK. And to me, the guy's Pete Dunne, just like Walter is Walter, just like Dewdrop was Piper Nevin. Eventually I come around and I say their new names. Right now for me, he's still Pete Dunne. Yeah. Well, I mean, when they introduced him, they said he's known by another name, but we know him as... Say like the other could, name. Yeah, say you it. could just... Yeah, just say it. Say his name. And, and so I'll, I'll say this though. I like his look. Like like the 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 Peaky Blinders type look that they all have going on. I think it looks really good on Butch. Uh, I, I like the way he looks in that group. So that's something. As for Rich Holland, as for them saying Rich Holland apologize, I took it as like a wave of them trying to say like, hey, people stop being mean to Rich Holland. It was an accident. Sure, like sure. Just uh, that that was my take on it. But yeah, I surprise. I was expecting the Woods return here too. I guess we'll get it this week. It was. I don't really know why you had to 
delay it a week, but we'll see. It was, I, I'm giving also, I'm giving this a bad. It was like you said, it was nothing was accomplished here. It was kind of a waste of time. It wasn't that great. Yeah. If, it, if he that. didn't come back to house shows, it would have been fine to wait, but yeah. we know he's back. So where is he? That's, that's the problem. Yep. Uh, Drew McIntyre and the Viking Raiders fought Happy Corbin, Jinder Mahal, and Shanky. Corbin avoided McIntyre however he could. McIntyre at Shanky with the Mishinoku driver, then pointed at Corbin to watch him as he hit the Claymore for the one, two, three. I was on the border because it wasn't offensive in any way. I'm just going to say bad because I really hate this feud. Same. It, it was perfectly fine, like house show type match, whatever. But also, I mean, Drew McIntyre, again, doing a Mishinoku driver to a big guy like that. This dude it's is impressive. incredible. Yeah. It's, a, it's a reminder of how dumb it is that he's in this feud. Omas fought Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz in a handicap match. It was a nice change of pace that the handicap team was actually smart and they had a plan of attack before the bell. But once the bell rang, Omas destroyed both of them. He even did a one-armed body slam of Aziz before getting the double pin. Omas grabbed the mic and said, size or number doesn't matter. He's undefeated and unstoppable. He then asked who has the balls to step to him at Raw or even WrestleMania. Like last week, another one right on the border. I guess good on execution, but even if Omas gets a surprise opponent, I'm not sure who it could be that would make me happy to see at WrestleMania. There is a report out there on who it's going to be. I'm not going to say it. Uh, let's at least leave one surprise. It's not a big surprise. Um, but yeah, I just could, it wasn't anything that I particularly loved. I liked it. It was fine. Like, is it a wrestle? Is, does he deserve a WrestleMania match? Probably not. I, I, is his long-term future great? I don't know. But this is two weeks in a row now where I think we've seen what they see in Omas. And that is he is a ginormous dude who can do some really cool things. And he's got some unreal strength. And I wish they could figure out what to do with him. I'm, I'm giving this a good. I am again seeing the potential. I thought the promo was fine, too. Like the English is not great, but it was fine. And yeah, it was just it was a reminder that this guy is a is, is a just a different kind of dude that they got to figure out what they can do with him. And the last two weeks have just, I think, been a reminder of that. So I'm giving it a good. Well, seeing him against disease and someone bigger in his size, it's always exciting when you have, you know, big meaty men slapping meat. But it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's not ringing as something that is natural to me. It feels like it's way forced. And they've done it in such a short period of time. After he, the yeah. guy missed, the guy was out of action for a while, not injured or anything. They just didn't book him. Then they're like, oh, you know what? We should give him a match at WrestleMania. Let's have him squash people for the next four weeks. I mean, it's just, it, it's silly. Uh, right. Dana Brooke and Reggie fought Tamina and Akira Tozawa in an intergender tornado match. And I will say, I had no interest in this, but when they said it was intergender tornado, I was like, you know what? If this goes for five minutes, there could be some really exciting spots here that I want to see. Well, they literally did a chicken fight at the bell. Dana did her two moves that she can do. Tamina fell face first into Tozawa's balls. Then Reggie hit his finisher for the win in one minute. It was a total waste of TV time. Could have been added to the women's tag team match earlier. We only had one women's match on the entire show, and it was that. Uh, just get this shit off my TV. It was ugly. You know, I said earlier there was no ugly. I was wrong. I guess I was wrong. Yeah, I was going to say. 24-7 <laughs> shit. Ugly. U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. Ugly. Yeah, I just, I don't put much mental stock into this, so I, I give it a bad, some, this has been okay. I mean, it's better than the previous year of the 24-7 title, but yeah, I've still definitely. No, it hasn't. Bad. This was not better than anything. This was garbage. 
Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that the last couple of weeks have been better than the previous year where everybody's chasing Reggie for a year straight. I think Valentine's Day Valentine's Day was good. Everything else has been shitty. Yeah. Um, Veer Mahan got another new vignette. This time it showed some beads. I don't know what those are exactly. If someone wants to educate me, you can. Uh, and an announcement that he's no longer coming. He's ready to finish and he's ready to arrive April 4th on Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania. Veer is here. He must be exhausted. As George Costanza would say, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Veer Mahan, April 4th. I'm very excited. Yeah. Put in your calendars for when Veer Mahan is going to be coming. So, yeah. Hey, we, we got an announcement. I, I, do, you think it's, do you think it's good that they announce the day now? As opposed yes, to surprising, I do. Roster. I do. Yes, yeah. I do. Me too. Yeah. Instead Me of him too. just it showing is... up, I, I'm glad they announced it. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, finally. It, it's it's actually built up now to a spot where okay, we're prepared for it, which is what yeah. they needed to do. And they so. didn't say raw after WrestleMania. They didn't. You know, they said April fourth. Like you know the exact day that Veer is yes. officially arriving. You can use whatever joke terminology you want. <laughs> Lastly, there was also a Snickers commercial with Alpha Academy and Otis. Falling forward on a trust fall. I thought it was really funny. I got to say, I know we don't like review the, they do tons of WWE commercials all the time. I found this one to be very enjoyable. It was funny. And and Chad Gable got his catchphrases in, which I still think are funny. So no, it was good. Good stuff. Now the good, the bad and the ugly is normally where an episode of the getting over wrestling podcast would conclude, but we actually have a special segment coming to you today. I've told you guys numerous times on this show over the years, I was trying to think, Months or years, we've been doing it for years now. Uh, if you bring a sign featuring Getting Over, Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, a reference to the show, myself, Vintage, Chris Vanini, whatever, if you bring it to a wrestling show and it gets on TV, you get the opportunity to join Getting Over for a segment. And that is exactly what happened a few months ago. JMags at JMags316 on Twitter. He did just that with an absolutely gorgeous black getting over sign on an episode of AEW Dynamite. We didn't hear from him for a few months. It's WrestleMania season. This guy thinks he's going to cash his chips in and join us on the ultimate preview episode. I said, J-Mags, we can't make that happen for you, dude. We have too much going on. We know that's going to be an absolutely loaded episode, but let us get you on the penultimate WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. So welcome to the show. Thanks for making the sign. And what is it, man, that you want to talk about today? Well, thanks. First of all, Super King, I know, you know, got to shoot my shot, right? But uh, let's see. I'm not here to discuss Kenny versus Roman versus CM versus AJ. You know, I just enjoy wrestling, enjoy wrestling. So if you prefer one promotion or the other, it's up to me. So today, you know, all positive vibes. Brett screwed Brett. I know vintage Christian can't be here. So wedge driver, it's fine. We're just going (laughs) to hug it up. But just we're all going to just put some meat on some meat. Let's get some hugs. So. You know, you talk about Absolutely. your WWE, you talk about your AEW. Well, JMAX316 just said, I joined your podcast. So let's give us an LA All night. Right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what we think. Well, let's go to the directions. We could talk about what we think we want to see the best entrances, the three top entrances for WrestleMania, or what you prefer, what you're most excited about for the your three top entrances for w, for WrestleMania. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both. I think that's fine. Um, let's kind of discuss which three entrances we're most excited to see across the two nights of WrestleMania. And I think when you talk WrestleMania entrances, it's not just about the person coming in, the crowd response, that whole deal, but it's really what does WWE do to make it cool? Because sometimes they do special entrances and sometimes they don't. So 
I, I gave a lot of thought to your question. Um, these are my three and they're, pro- they're really basic actually. Like, yeah. well, I, I do- wish I could go ahead. Should we start by saying we already kind of agree that Stone Cold's going to be kind of at the top, if not number one? Sure. I mean, it has to be yeah. number one, right? Right. The, the glass shattering. We saw it on Raw Monday night. Like, the glass shattering. That's so exciting. It's so classic. I want to know what it's going to look like. Are they going to throw a bullshit augmented reality graphic on top of it? Or is it just going to be classic Stone Cold Steve Austin? Hopefully, it's classic. So, yes, that's one of ours. Let's throw that, throw that away. Here's the other two for me. One is Cody, right? Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to go with his old entrance music? Are they going to go with his current entrance music that he's been using, which I believe he has the rights to? Is it going to be an amalgamation? Are they going to do a third song? Like, I, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if Cody's going to be completely unannounced until the music hits. Everything about it interests me. How the crowd's going to respond, what it's going to sound like, what he's going to look like, the response he gets. Everything about that Cody moment, it's going to be big, just like the Hardy Boys was, except with the Hardys, Obviously, you hear that entrance music, you know exactly who it is right away. So Cody is the other name for me. And the other one, I was thinking really long and hard about it. You know, New Day doesn't really have anything on the show. You know, John Cena is not on the show. Uh, You know, Finn Balor has had a cool entrance before. But and then the main event, I don't think Roman Reigns is going to do anything special. Becky Lynch, you know, Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, I'm not excited if they do anything special. The one person I think could actually do something really special to my shock, is Brock Lesnar. Like, I could see them having this dude ride a tractor out there and getting off the tractor (laughs) because they're doing Farmer Brock and doing something really cool. So I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar for my third, thinking maybe they do something super special for him. But other than that, I really couldn't think of a single person that was like hitting me right in the feel spot to make me excited for an entrance. What about you? What what are your other two? Yeah, I mean, that was hard for me too to kind of decide that because... Same thing what you're talking about earlier. You know, I was thinking, who gets the Triple H treatment? And that Triple H entrance is never the main event. So I couldn't put Brock or Roman in there. And I couldn't put Charlotte um, and Ronda. And they're just just kind of just based on history of when they give that huge entrance for. Like, Rusev was in the middle or early match, right? Right. So one, I wanted to put Edge. But quite quite frankly, I kind of want the old song. And I know it's got the new one. I get it's got the good vibes. But if they go to the new song and then they give the blue light, it kind of going to be some Undertaker vibes. And it's not what I want. So I would say, you know, from a full standpoint of just pure entertainment, uh, we haven't heard a musical act. So I'm thinking they give the full band to Boogs and Shinsuke. I can see Boogs mm. getting in there, getting a full band in there, getting the whole song. They had lyrics back in the day. You know, maybe they bring that back. But that would be a huge entrance for them to get back into it and just have a full on. Let's let's throw it out there. If they throw violins and mix it up with both the old and the new school version of the song, I'm committed 100% to being my favorite entrance. Um, the other one I wanted to go with Cody too. Last night kind of changed me. I, I agree 100% mm-hmm. with what you're saying, Cody. Like everything's there for the right Triple H kind of entrance. Uh, the, the thing I'm thinking of pure heat, especially off last night. If they give Logan Paul the Rey Mysterio mask, and he comes out wearing it, that is mm. monster fire heat that's going to draw their attention and that'll just blast everything away. The booze that'll come out of that, because, I mean, let's let's face it, the Pauls know how to troll everybody. That's what they made their name off of. And you throw Miz sure. in there. And, and on the on the backside of that, you know, it's the match against Rey and Dominic. Rey's always good for those WrestleMania costumes. So that combination might do it for me, too. Those are really good options. Um, 
I wish that there was something that really massively stood out, you know, but there just isn't. And I do wonder, do they do special entrances? If so, do they completely rely on the augmented reality graphics? Mm-hmm. Will they pull something out like the tank or maybe for WrestleMania 35 when they did like the video package? I think that was for Charlotte, right? Where she came in yeah. with the helicopter, helicopter or whatever. Right. So like maybe they do something like that where it's a big video package leading into someone like Roman Reigns. They do this huge build up and then he comes out to his entrance. But what's interesting is even though WWE these days, the entrance music isn't necessarily great. Um, the entrances are pretty damn good. Like Reigns entrance, it's it's grand as it is. So I don't know that they would need to do more to make it exceptionally grand for WrestleMania. I mean, if they did something where like the Samoan dynasty came out with him, and like Afa and Sika and like cousins and brothers, maybe like, and, and everyone had had his back and it was like an extended bloodline. Maybe that could be something that's really cool. But I think the ones that we mentioned really, um, J-Mags are the right ones to keep an eye out for. For sure. I think, I think you hit it on the head with Brock. Like if they, if they have a grand entrance, it's going to be something over the top, like a tractor or, you know, right. maybe it's just going to be something crazy. The only other thing I can think of is they really want to go nuts which I don't, you know, they'll probably get called out for this if they do it. But if they do our Hebrew and they fly out like a hundred doves when they do their entrance. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's something with something with our, something with RK bro could really hit. Yeah, I don't know I'm, what exactly it would be. I mean, they but. gave Riddle a camel in Saudi. So it's, I feel like that would that's be true. the momentum they gave them. They gave them the straps to go in there. So it'd be another good time for them to get that. It's, and they could, and they could also do like with the street profits, they could dump solo cups on everyone in the whole crowd. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know how they would do it, but they could do thousands of solo cups. So like there are definitely options out there. I think that could make WrestleMania from an entrance standpoint, uh, super interesting. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I was thinking, just another outrageous idea was if Jerry Jones was there and Charlotte came out of his like box or, you know, they came in together for some odd reason, which would never yeah. happen. But I think that would be hilarious if they just pulled the owner like that. Yeah, no, there's uh, certainly with Cowboy Stadium and the Cowboys, yeah. there are, are elements uh, that WWE uh, could use. But look, J Mags, look, I appreciate you uh, joining the show, being amenable to not coming on the ultimate preview because we are going to have like a two hour show probably next week of uh, a good topic. Glad to get you on. And for everyone else out there listening, a reminder, bring these getting over posters to your wrestling shows. You show us them on TV or we see them on TV. And just like J Mags, you get a featured spot here on the getting over wrestling podcast. J Mags, anything else you want to say uh, before you get out of here? Uh, I mean, I appreciate all. I appreciate the support, man. This is the best podcast for wrestling that I hear every day. I'm on it every week. You know, everyone listening, man, the, the, the interviews we pull up are always fantastic. So 100% my support, you know, just we got to get that wedge driver up to speed with you with us and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, uh, that was not a scripted line that he said that on his own. I appreciate those words very much. And uh, dude, thank you for joining. Appreciate of course. It. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And that is it for this edition of the Getting Over wrestling podcast. I appreciate everyone listening. As usual, a reminder here about what is coming up in the near future. This week, of course, on Thursday, we will have our next AEW and NXT episode. Next week, same bat time, same bat channel on Tuesday. WWE WrestleMania 38 Ultimate Preview. Huge, huge show next Tuesday. Uh, We're still figuring out what we're going to do in terms of a potential go-home show Friday after SmackDown that does seem unlikely given the WWE Hall of Fame is airing live immediately after it. And of course, 
we turn around less than 24 hours later and have WrestleMania. Chances are we will focus on those live Twitter spaces on Saturday and Sunday of WrestleMania. Next week, we're also going to have an NXT stand and deliver ultimate preview. And the Silver King is still trying to wrangle a couple WWE interviews ahead of WrestleMania. So keep a lookout for special shows, a full schedule. You can get all of that, by the way, by following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Whenever uh, occasions like this happen and the Silver King is able to work out a full schedule, I always tweet it. But on Twitter at Getting Overcast, it's also a place where you can interact with us, uh, follow our tweets live during the shows, participate in polls. And of course, as I said, ahead of pay-per-views, join those live Twitter spaces, very special shows where you guys get to ask questions, provide comments, and just join in the fun uh, that is the lead up to a pay-per-view. And of course, I could not conclude an episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast without one more reminder that this show... So do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Tell people why you love the show. Tell them why they should listen. Tell them why they should subscribe. The road to WrestleMania 38 is almost here. But for now, the Silver King is just going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.